Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Crystal Sparks, and no matter if this is your first time here or maybe you're here every single week, I am so glad that you are here on my podcast. I love to upload content here that helps grow your faith and to help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Hey, this message uh, was actually recorded at our church's first Wednesday service that we had, and I really think that it's going to encourage you. Well, hey, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, and I'm going to kind of be all over the place. I'm reading through, um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I put out a challenge. What's interesting with the book of Luke is it's 24 chapters long, so when you begin on December 1st, you're able to read through the entire book of Luke by Christmas Eve, and the reason why that's neat is because the whole month of December, uh, your mind has stayed focused on Jesus. And so literally every day, one chapter a day, we're reading. So today is uh, the seventh, correct? Yes, today is the seventh. And uh, we're in Luke chapter seven today. My daughter's doing the Bible plan with me and it's so fun. And so I was reading this the other day. I had a different message I was gonna do for you guys. And I felt the Lord just impressed me upon this. So we're gonna be in Luke chapter three, verses three and four. And it says, and he, he, the person he here is John the Baptist. It says, and he went out into all the country round about the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance unto the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his beaten path straight. We're gonna skip over to verse 10 for sake of time. And it says, and the multitudes asked him, then what shall we do? And he replied to them, he who has two tunics, let him share with him who has none. And he who has food, let him do it in the same way. Even tax collectors came to him to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, exact and collect no more than the fixed amount appointed you. Those serving as soldiers also asked him what we shall do. And he replied to them, never demand or enforce by terrifying people or by accusing wrongfully and always be satisfied with your rations, supplies, and with your allowance wages. We're gonna fast forward because now we see Jesus being baptized in verse 21. It says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and while he was still praying, the visible heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, you are my son, my beloved, and in you I'm well pleased and I find my delight. Jesus himself, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed by Joseph, the son of Heli. All right, let's pray as we continue our time together. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for this God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, right now, we rejoice with all of heaven as 38 lives are being changed, that 38 people are taking the next step in their faith journey. And Father, I thank you that today in this service, in this time that we gather around your word, that God, we all are answering the question, what shall we do? That Father, we didn't come to hear just another message, but God, we came to respond to what you would ask for us. And so Lord, we lean into the whisper of heaven. I declare every life will be changed in Jesus' name. And every person who believed it said, amen. Um, Brian was out of town uh, the other day hunting, which is the story of all uh, women this time of year. 
And, uh, and I decided that I would uh, do some projects around the house because um, I decided I wanted new furniture on our back patio. And um, I decided that, you know, while he was gone hunting, this was a great time to do it. And so whenever you decide this, you do what any wise woman does. She calls her girlfriend and she says, hey, can you come over here and help me put together all this furniture? And, you know, it's comical when two women are putting together uh, Ikea furniture. It just gets real interesting. And, and so we're putting together the Ikea furniture and we're looking at all the instructions. And, and we thought that that was the hard part. And then we opened up the furniture that came from Walmart way harder, um, way, way harder. And, and we're going through all the stuff and the chair wasn't working quite right. And there was a, a, there's a tool that it came with and it makes like this sound. It goes, y'all know what I'm talking about? A ratchet. I always forget that it's called that because to me, you only call somebody when they look ugly, you call them, they look ratchet. I didn't know that was a tool. And, and so I learned, cause I was like going to town on this thing, but it wasn't making the re-ear sound. And then I learned that if it's not making the re-ear sound, you're just doing a whole lot of activity, but it's not doing anything. And so after about 10 minutes of me trying the same thing and there was no re-ear, 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 I was like, okay. So I had to look up a YouTube video on how to make the ratchet go re-ear cause they don't just naturally re-ear. For those of you that don't know, now you know. Okay, I'm saving you right now. If you, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just try. It's really hard. And so we go through and we do all this. And, and then we realized that we had missed a step. And, and in doing the chair, we got so excited for step three that we missed step two. And so our whole chair, basically, if you sat in it, it would just throw, fly you backwards. And I kept trying to convince Emily, it's going to be fine. Like, you just have to sit real careful and it won't throw you out. She's like, I don't see this working. And, and so then I, I got, she left and, and I read back through the instructions. And I was like, oh, in our excitement, we had jumped from step one to step three and we had missed step two. And I didn't think it would make a big difference, but then I realized you have to take the whole chair apart. And so then I'm figuring out how to make the re-ear thing go backwards re-ear. Backwards re-ear is way harder than forwards re-ear, just so you know. And so then I had to like watch the YouTube video again, how to like reverse out your re-ear and all that. And so we get it done. And, and I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about how the steps in assembly for something, how it's so important that you do each step of the process, right? Uh, the chair did get assembled. It was all together. When he came home from the dear lease, it looked beautiful. And I was like, here you go. Look what I made. <laughs> Just sit carefully. Anyways, um, if you come to my house, just know, just sit very carefully. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I was praying and preparing for this message, and I thought, how many of us have missteps in our faith journey? Like we, we start off strong and we're so excited to get to the next thing that God's gonna do that sometimes we skip steps in the journey. And you know what's so wild to me is at baptism, at, here John the Baptist is, and might I just say to you that he has a one message sermon outline that he preaches over and over again. Imagine coming to church every Sunday and Pastor Ryan preaches the same message every Sunday. Like, can you imagine? And yet it says that the crowds came in multitudes to follow him, right? Uh, they come and he's got this one message and it's repent. And his call to action is be baptized. 
repent and be baptized to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about prepare the way of the Lord, I contemplate, what does that look like? If I were to prepare the way of the Lord, like, would it look like more time in prayer? Would it look like more time in worship? Would it look like fasting? Oh gosh. Uh, Would it look like more time in the word? Would it look like me serving in my church? And and here the people begin to ask a question because as they were getting baptized, they asked this question, what then now shall we do? And, and this tripped me up because what's wild is in Acts chapter two, when the church is birthed and Peter preaches the first message, the people ask immediately when baptized by the Holy Spirit, the question remains the same. What then shall we do? In Acts chapter four, we see them going on a missionary journey and more people get water baptized. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And their first question is this, what then shall we do? Meaning this, that our faith journey was never us crossing the line at our baptism, but it's one step in our faith journey that's supposed to lead us to our next step. And as I was praying for this, I thought about how there's two groups of people here today. There's a group of people that are getting baptized and I celebrate for you. But I wanna ask you a question. The people who have been baptized, can anybody tell? Do you live a life that's any different than before you were baptized? And John's talking to them here. And as they're asking this question, what shall we do? He begins to erase the line that divides their secular and sacred worlds. And I think a lot of us have the church us and the work us. The the church us and our only fans us. The church us and our private Snapchat us. Uh, Church us, am I talking to anybody real in the house? You have your church you and your DMs on Instagram you. And Jesus came to erase the dividing line. And he says, it's all one nacho. It's all the same. There is no dividing line between your secular and your sacred life. He's saying, what then shall we do when you get baptized? It means, God, I invite you into every area of my life. There is no place that you can't touch. There is no area that you can't talk to me about. But I think if we'll just be real honest, a lot of us, just like the steps I did on the furniture in my backyard, we take the baptism step, but we never ask for the next step. And, and we're asking for step three of what's my calling and purpose, but we won't let God get into our everyday. We're, we're talking to God about what we want him to do, but we don't want God to talk to us about what he wants us to do. And here I want to show you, he says this, and and, and might I just tell you, if, as you read your Bible, when you see repetition, re- repetition tells you what's important to the author, and it highlights to you the theme of a book or a chapter. So when you see the question being asked repeatedly, what then shall we do? The implication is this, it's important for us to take action with what we're doing. Luke, when writing this, he wrote both Luke and Acts. He's got this question repeatedly, Why? Because our faith journey was never meant to be just an altar call moment on a Sunday. It's so much more than that. So what follows this question is important and it's for us. So the first time it's asked is in verse 11. He says, what shall we do? The multitudes ask. And he replied to them, he who has two tunics, let him share with him who has none. And he who has food, let him do it in the same way. The fruit of repentance is generosity. 
where there was selfishness. All throughout Luke's gospel, we see that financial stewardship is an indicator of a changed life. Without Luke, we wouldn't see the trap of accumulation in the bigger, uh, in the parable with the rich fool who built the bigger barns. Without Luke, we wouldn't have the parable of the dishonest manager who instructs us to use our wealth to make friends for eternity in Luke 16. Without Luke, we wouldn't have the terrifying story of a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus to remind us that the comforts and riches will ultimately fail in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Without Luke, we wouldn't have Zacchaeus' example to show us that a mark of a true conversion is a changed relationship with money in Luke 19, 8 through 10. Without Luke, we wouldn't know that Joseph of Arimathea didn't follow Christ, but at his death, he was so moved with the way that Jesus died. He goes and pleads for Jesus' body and the cost of what he gives to embalm Christ's body, which it wouldn't need to be embalmed for long. All the spices he put on it only lasted three days. But the the value of the spices he put on Christ's dead body is equal to a thousand years wages. Meaning I didn't serve you during your lifetime, but I pledged you a thousand of my lifetimes. You're worthy of everything. You're worthy of it all. Luke repeatedly has this theme, letting us know that the way we steward our money shows that our life has been changed. A sign of a changed life means I handle my finances and possessions differently. All right, the second group of people were the tax collectors. And they asked the question, what shall we do? And John answers them in verse 13. And he said to them, exact and collect no more than the fixed amount appointed you. The fruit of repentance here, he tells them, is honesty where there was dishonesty. Honesty where there was dishonesty. Uh, Braley and I, I was speaking in Wisconsin and uh, she was my travel buddy and I loved having her there, and um, they dropped us off at the hotel, and I'm a rebellious sister, because I was like, well, I've got three hours, and you give a girl three hours, and there's a Nordstrom 15 minutes away, we're going to Nordstrom, and so I did what any wise woman does. I put in, um, in for Uber and to get an Uber driver, and we're in the car, and we're riding over with this sweet older man, and he's telling us about how he started doing Uber, and he tells us about how he was widowed um, a year and a half ago, and so we started doing this because he was lonely and at home, and he's going through this whole story, and he says that one day he was uh, driving Uber, and he looks over on the side of the road. A man had fallen. And he said he was visibly in a lot of pain. And he said, and everybody was walking around him and he's writhing in pain on the concrete. He said it was five degrees out. He said it was really cold. And he said, I, 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 my heart was so moved. He said, I thought somebody needs to help this man. So he said, I immediately pulled my car over. I helped the man. He said he couldn't get up. His, his leg was hurt so badly. He said, I helped him get into my car. I took him to the ER. And he said, I sat with him in the ER while they treated him. And I waited till his wife got there. And he said, at that point, he said, I figured I might as well just stay waiting with him, like make sure this turns out okay. And so he he sat with him. Turns out that the man is the owner of the local hockey team. 
And the man was so moved by his generosity, he said, from now on, you have, for the rest of your life, you have center eye seats at every home game for you and somebody to come with you. And he said, every year I keep getting the tickets. And he said, I keep thinking maybe this will be the year that he'll change his mind, but he keeps giving them to me. He said, so I Uber people to the game and then I have my free parking spot and I go in, I watch the game. And when I get done, I Uber people some more. And you know, as I listened to this, I just thought about how much differently our lives are supposed to be once we start following Jesus. And the people that were walking around him didn't even realize who they weren't serving. They didn't even realize. See, here's the crazy part is, is that Jesus' goal for you was not to have your life changed and then quit your secular job. His goal for you was that you would get your life changed and it would change the way you did your secular job. And I will just say, there were probably many Christians that were walking around him. Many people who had been baptized going to the other side of the road. Many people who were Christ followers that pulled their car around him, didn't wanna be inconvenienced and not knowing who they were missing serving. And I just wanna tell you that God wants to get involved in the way you do your job. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king and he did his job with such excellence that he got the king's favor. And getting the king's favor, he was able to accomplish God's plan in the land. Uh, Deborah was a judge of all the people and helped uphold God's standard for the people, calling them to repentance. I want to ask you a question. Do the people in your workplace know that you're a Christ follower? Is there any difference in how you do your job and with everybody else? Are you continuously wait for work? Do you cut corners to get ahead? Do you gossip about other coworkers? Do you take things just because you feel like they owe you? Do you pay your bills late? It's quiet in this church. Here's the thing, I want you to notice this, is that every time when they ask, what shall we do? He's saying the fruits of our repentance should be a changed behavior. If your behavior hasn't changed, you haven't truly repented. If you're still living your life as you've always lived and God's not messing with the junk in your trunk, I question if you're saved. If I don't see generosity, honesty, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and humility growing in your life, then have you truly repented? Baptism isn't the final step. It's just a step in your journey. The third group of people that came to him were the soldiers. And they asked, well, what about us? What shall we do? In verse 14, he answers. He says, those serving as soldiers also. And he, said, he replied to them, never demand or enforce by terrifying people or accusing wrongfully and always be satisfied with your rations and with your allowance. There's two things I think we can get what he told us about the soldiers. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this, is the fruit of repentance is contentment where there was dissatisfaction. Contentment where there was dissatisfaction. There's an article that caught my attention recently, and it says this, why are our kids so unhappy? And the subtitle was this, don't worry, you bought them an education, you bought them a nanny, you bought them the nicest clothes, the next thing you can't buy them is, is contentment. And isn't it amazing how we medicate ourselves with things? And, and I, I thought about this because it tripped me up because he talked about how they treat people, 
but the root of how we treat people is found in our contentment for life. The kindest people I know are the ones that are the most grateful. And a sign of an ungrateful heart is when you're rushing out in anger, when you're being rude, crass, selfish. Hello. Uh, The Lord told me this the other day. A person that is rude doesn't think they're rude. They just think they're right. And I thought about not of somebody else. I thought of myself. Because every time I've been rude to somebody, it's because I thought I was right. And, And I've missed the heart of gratitude. I've missed the sense of contentment. And, and I just want to encourage you, and, and here John is speaking to them and says, the cure for your manipulation, the cure for you treating people more kind is found in being content with what you have. And when I wake up every day, God, thank you for this job. God, thank you for this house. Brian's dad used to always say, if your house is falling down on one side and one side it isn't, get on the side that isn't falling down and praise God for that. Like literally, like sometimes uh, we used to, we always had cars that took faith to run. Like every time you could turn the key, you didn't know if it was gonna start today. Y'all know what I'm talking about? My, my kids just said, that's our car. <laughs> but I say it's good for your faith, right? Because every day when it starts, you go, thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. But I'm saying that to say this, Instead of looking for reasons to complain, what if you found reasons to be content? What if you found things to be grateful for? He's saying the key to beginning to treat people different is a heart work first of contentment. A sign of a changed life means I love my life as it is. You wanna talk about a powerful practice. Every day I do this. I put one hand over my heart and I, I simply say this, I love my life. When Brian's mom passed away, I put my hand over my heart and I say, I love my life. When things happen that I don't understand, I put my hand over my heart and I say, I love my life. This life is a gift. We miss it sometimes, right? The fruit of repentance, the next one is, he's talking about this uh, with them and he tells them, the fruit of repentance is love where there was selfish gain. Love where there was selfish gain. He's not telling them to stop doing their job. He's saying that the fruit of repentance, fruit of them being baptized is that they're gonna be loving and not be motivated by selfish gain. There was a little boy who was named Stevie and he was shy and he moved to a new neighborhood. And one day he came home from school and said, you know, mom, Valentine's Day is coming and I want to make a Valentine for everyone in my class. I want them to know that I love them. His mother's heart sank at the prospect of her son's rejection. Every afternoon, she would watch him get off the bus, and everybody seemed to be friends, and Stevie would linger behind all of them. But at the same time, she didn't want to discourage her son, who wanted to do something kind. So she went and bought paper and crayons and scissors, and for the next three weeks, he painstakingly worked on 35 Valentines. When the big day come, he came, he stacked the Valentines under his arm, ran out the door, and his mother thought, this is going to be a really hard day for him. I'm going to make cookies and have everything set for him when he gets home. That way he'll have a good home to come home to and I can comfort the pain of him not getting many Valentines. That afternoon, she had warm cookies ready and she went over to the window and looked out and sure enough, here came all the children laughing, full, their hands full of Valentines they had received. But there was Stevie walking behind them. He was walking a little bit faster than usual and she thought, bless his heart, he's ready to break into tears. His arms were empty and he wasn't carrying anything. 
Stevie came into the house and his mother said, sweetheart, mom has some warm cookies and milk for you. Just sit down. But Stevie's face was all aglow. And as he marched right by her, all he could say was, not a single one, not one. I didn't forget anyone. They all know I love them. What if the mark of our life is not what people do for us, but it's what we do for others? As you go into baptism waters and you come down and you come up, you're signifying, I'm now Christ in my workplace. I'm now Christ in my school. I'm now Christ everywhere I go. And my attitude every place I go into is now no longer what can you do for me, but it's what I can do for you. What if those of us that call ourselves Christ follower were more quick to open a door for a stranger? to let somebody else go in front of us at a store? What if we helped a mom that's obviously struggling to load up her groceries in the car? What if we didn't force our way to the front of the church parking lot when everybody's trying to get out? What if we take time to listen to somebody when they're upset? Finally, the fruit of repentance ends with Jesus. And he doesn't have to ask the question because the Holy Spirit just leads him. And the fruit of repentance is living a life led by the Holy Spirit where there was my own plan. Jesus goes down into the baptism waters and your Bible tells us in Luke 4, chapter one, uh, Luke chapter four, verse one, that as he came up out of the waters, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Now his ministry is beginning and I don't know about y'all, but he's like, why couldn't I have just gone viral on TikTok? <laughs> like, really my ministry's beginning? Like, why couldn't I done like some cool miracle of like opening blind eyes or like walking on water? And, and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. You know, I, I would just tell you that I think sometimes we forget these are real people with real plans, with real life. He may have had to cancel some things. He may have had to resign from some positions. He may have had to change what he was doing to do what God's called you to do. And I just wanna announce this over some people. You may have done the step one of being baptized, but you're missing the hard thing that God's asking you to do is your step two. And that is the very thing keeping you from the purpose and the call that God has for you. What if every day we lived our life that God, it's not my plan, but your plan. That's, that's what we're saying when we're getting baptized. We are saying that God, I want your plans to become my plans. I, I was in San Francisco and I was preaching and it was my birthday and uh, I was there at this conference and they were so gracious to me and they got me a beautiful birthday cake and it was like the most big, beautiful birthday cake. I mean, it was like massive. There was no way I could eat that cake by myself. I was like, this is huge. And they're like, we want you to take it back to your hotel and just enjoy it. I mean, it was like so big. I was like, had a vision of me like 50 pounds heavier the next morning because I ate the whole cake. And, and I felt like, I was like, this cake is beautiful as it is. I don't feel like it's supposed to be my cake. And so I prayed as we're getting back to the hotel and I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, whose cake is this? I don't feel like it's my cake. It's my birthday cake, but it belongs to somebody else. And I felt the Lord tell me, it's the guy at the front desk at the hotel. And I was like, okay. I'm just that crazy person that lives their life on assignment. Like I, I just, I live my life being led by the Holy Spirit. Anybody else weird like me? And so I, I'm carrying the cake and I walk in and the guy's sitting there at the counter and I said, hey, I said, um, I've, got, I've got something for you. I said, today's my birthday. And he goes, okay. And I said, and this is a cake. Um, it's, it's my birthday cake, but I feel like God told me that it's supposed to be yours. He goes, what? I was like, yeah, I, I feel like this is supposed to be your cake. This is your cake. He goes, 
are you for real? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what? And he opens it and he goes, this is a beautiful cake. And I said, yeah, it really is. It's beautiful. And he goes, he didn't know what to say. And he goes, what kind of cake is it? And I said, confetti. He goes, that's my favorite cake. And I said, oh, that's so great. And he goes, and he does this. And he looks at it again and his friend comes walking up. He goes, she just gave me my favorite cake. This is, this is my favorite cake. And he is like rejoicing. I, I just wanna ask you something. Your life is supposed to be like that every day. What if the things that are coming to you in your life, the doors that God's opening, the resources that he's entrusted you with aren't supposed to be yours, but they're just supposed to flow through you to somebody else. What if we became better stewards of what God's given us? See, it's one thing to tell somebody that God loves them. It's a whole nother to give them a cake. And I will just say that out of all the people in that hotel, out of all the people that I could have given that cake to, God knew the exact person and that it was his favorite cake. And, and you know what it told him in that moment? That God sees me and he knows me. It told him a whole lot better than an invite card. It told him a whole lot better than that Jesus loves you. No, it was love in motion to him. What if we began to live our lives that kind of way. And I will just say, if you are baptized here, and I'm entrusting that the 38 people that are being baptized are beginning this journey, but I wanna talk to the people that have been baptized. The fact that you've been baptized means that my possessions are no longer my own, that I love my job and I love my life, that I love people the way Christ loves them. And that means I'm willing to serve them the way Christ did. And it means that God leads my everyday life. And if that's not you, maybe it's time for you to come down here and get rebaptized and say that last time it didn't stick, but this time I'm gonna answer the question, what then now shall I do? I wanna live a life that's different. You know why the New Testament church grew like bananas? It's because the people live this. What would your workplace look like if people showed up like this? What would our cities look like if people started serving like this? What would, our, what would our families look like if we started loving them like this? There's not a building big enough. There, there's not enough. So I wanna ask you today in this place, what then shall you do? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you asking me to do? Maybe you've been baptized, but you haven't been living like it. Maybe God's calling you to a higher level. Maybe some of you, it's the place that the Holy Spirit's been leading you and you've been resisting. It's keeping you from the full purpose, full plan. God, right now, I declare, you can have our yes. Lord, whatever it is that you ask of us, wherever you want us to go, whoever you want us to love, whatever it looks like, God, there's nothing off limits to you. That Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now. If you're hearing the sound of my voice and you say, Crystal, I don't know Jesus. I've never given him my heart or my life. Or maybe you say, I prayed that prayer before, but I've made some mistakes and I've fallen away. But today I wanna give my life new to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna pray for you right where you're at. Will you lift your hand on the count of three if you wanna give Jesus your life for the first time? Or maybe you wanna rededicate your life to him. One, two, three. 
three, lift your hand in this place. I see hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we pray this together as a church family? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Take my sins and by your grace, I take your righteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name. I hope you got so much out of today's content. Can you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on any new content here on my podcast? Also, one of the best ways for people to find my podcast is by you. If you will, share this podcast on your social media or maybe text it to a friend. Help me get the word out so we can help others. Also, everything you need to know about today's podcast will be available down in the show notes. I also have a link for you to stay subscribed to my emails so you never miss out on anything that I have going on. So, hey, thank you so much for being here and let's do something awesome for God this week.